the fundamental question at the heart of all progression of fantasy, all at RPG, is about the nature of power. Mm -hmm. What does it mean for someone to have more or less power, to have more or less agency in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And I genuinely believe that the best progression fantasy lit RPG all has something interesting to say about it. This is the Crit RPG Podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything lit RPG, progression fantasy, and royal road. Hi and welcome everyone to the Crit RPG Podcast. The only podcast where I invite people to look at their cats. <laughs> He's dropped it. He he jumped out of my lap. All right, come in, buddy. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Say hi to the camera. Hi. <laughs> oh no. Oh, adorable. Yeah. If that doesn't give me, if, if that doesn't give me clicks, I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Um, with me today is a wonderful cat and also John Beers, uh, author of Mage Errant. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's awesome to be here. Yeah. So we've been talking for almost an hour. Um, I've had some food um, and we've just kind of been chatting about, you know, like our favorite topic, AI and venture capitalism. So if you want to hear more about that, you can head uh, up the Patreon content um, because I want to keep the main podcast clean of politics and all that kind of stuff. So thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So Mage Errant, you said that you've been at this for a very short time, five years. Um, do you want to talk to me about how you started out, like how Mage Errant came to be? So Mage Errant came at kind of a weird time in my life. Mm -hmm. I had uh, uh, taken a break, read, dropped out from mm -hmm. school um, mm -hmm. uh, for the second time to focus on my writing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd been going to school for geology. Um, mm -hmm. I got some freelance writing work that took off. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna focus on the freelance writing for now. And then that crashed, which is the whole thing. And I ended up being stuck working at a terrible, terrible grocery store job. Mm. And admittedly, I was also a terrible, terrible employee. Mm -hmm. Um, the only reason they couldn't fire me is because every time I messed up, I made sure to do it in some new creative way. <laughs> uh, and I'd been trying to break into comics at the time. Mm -hmm. um, was working with some artists, pitching to colors, and things just weren't working out. And I was very frustrated. And uh, I had uh, that's you know that summer mm -hmm. uh, gotten a Kindle Unlimited subscription, mm -hmm. right, and started reading, uh, you know, like Arcane Ascension and Cradle and all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time I, I kind of realized, like, oh hey, uh, self-publishing actually is a doable thing with actual good authors doing it. Right. And, you know, all that kind of came together and I just started writing the first major book out of just pure frustration at, uh, mostly at the terrible job I was working and, mm -hmm. uh, a kind of terrible roommate situation at the time too. And I just, I wrote the first major book in like six weeks, pretty short, only like 56,000 words, published it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Then uh, within a few months, I'd written the second book, also pretty short, like 77,000 words, and published mm -hmm. that. Uh, you know, first book came out in like October 2018. Second book came out like February 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was just able to quit my job and go full time after the second book. 
uh, listener beware. That's not how it usually works. Like he skipped some steps there. <laughs> I did. I, there was a lot of luck involved. I, mm. I released the right books at the right time when, you know, 2019 people, 2019 people were obsessed and looking for wizard school books. Mm. I was coming in right at the beginning of the whole progression fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started, you know, uh, they hadn't even named progression fantasy yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, yeah, just really good timing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, people tell me it's also because uh, I have, okay, you know, I know not to trust those people. <laughs> they are liars. Liars. Like I could, I could trust you, or I could trust my imposter syndrome. And my yeah. imposter syndrome's always here with me, so you know but they're reliable. John. <laughs> John, have you ever considered if you're actually that good at having imposter syndrome? What if you're really bad at it and people will find out? I'm, if excuse me a second, I need to curl up under my desk for just a, <laughs> just a minute. Um, a friend of, friend of mine uh, gave, I, I asked me that once and it was a really, really good advice for me. Yeah. No, imposter, like... I, yeah, some half time I feel like it's just like imposter syndrome, megalomania, mm-hmm. imposter syndrome, megalomania. I don't really get an in between where I just have a healthy relationship with my writing. And then, and then you find you find Zen, and you find the way of I'm writing. That's neither good nor bad. Some people like it, some people don't. Everything's fine. Um, and yeah, it's a good it's a good point to get. But so. I mean, did you just like wake up one morning and started writing or, I mean, you've probably been writing for a while, right? Yeah, I've uh, been writing. Oh, I don't even know how long. I I, uh, I think I started seriously trying to be a writer around probably 2010. Mm-hmm. Most of my efforts for that time were focused on trying to break into the comic book industry. Right? I had a few short stories before that, but I didn't really have the work ethic or anything going on. Um, work what? Work ethic. Okay, so ethic. What's the other one? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did have a lot of freelance writing for years, but that was like nonfiction stuff. Um, Everything helps, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no. All any writing experience is going to inform all your other writing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why I think it's so important for people just to, even if it's just as a writing exercise, just for yourself. Mm-hmm. try different forms of writing you, you never tried before you know like mm-hmm. every now and then i try to write a poem no destroy it because it's so bad but i, I do try poetry is um, nice though but yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah no i mean it it will help you stretch your prose muscles like nothing else mm-hmm. um it's why i write so many short stories i also have a standalone novel the rack which oh, yeah. didn't mm-hmm. do very well because it's a novel about a plague that came out, out right at the beginning of the covid pandemic oh yeah this will do it yeah, poor timing. But uh, you know, I push myself incredibly hard in like the prose and structure into things. Yeah. Much more literary than major. And I've had a lot of people, just like random reviewers and stuff, be like, Hey, mm. something happened between books three and four of, of Major. <laughs> it's like he just jumped in skill level as an author. And mm-hmm. what it was is that's when I started doing my short story Patreon and that's where I wrote the rack. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it helped me a lot as an author. And um in a lot of ways, Major was the culmination of so many of my interests and such. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, number go up, right? <laughs> There's no actual numbers in it. I make the words go. I don't make the math go. Um, so progression is not literally RPG. I'm learning. 
Um, but a lot of just all the power games, and everything. But you know, I drew heavily from my uh, my geology classes, my geology education. You know, I'm, I got mm -hmm. so close to geology degree, never never got it. Oh, so you mean um, like you have a very good grounding? <laughs> oh, that pun was yeah, that, a that one. Rocky. That one was stone cold. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> I said that one was a little rocky. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I could have also yes. gone. That one's pretty nice, but that works better in print because nice is G N E I S S. Yeah, type of stone. Yeah, absolute geological. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, podcast time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, otherwise right. people will think that we are, you know, stoned. But it's not that because of the podcast. <laughs> I can't stop. Please send help. No. Yeah, and so the main character, um, you know, minor spoilers, gets crystal magic. <laughs> minor, because it's rocks. And anyway. I actually didn't intend that one. I feel bad. I, I try to always intend my puns, but that one was accidental, and I feel bad. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I ripped that right out. That was That's, that's yeah. my specialty. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but minor spoilers, you were saying. Yeah, he gets uh, crystal magic. And oh, cool. the crystal magic is, I pretty much just sat down with my notes for my mineralogy and mm. uh, um, petrology classes. And it's like, okay, mm. how do, does crystal formation actually function? What does crystal actually mean? You know, because mm. crystal's not just shiny rock. Mm. Um, like any rock, uh, well, so, sorry, any, any mineral is mm. uh, crystalline, right? There are non-mineral, mm. non-crystalline rocks. It's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um Right, and, and so, and that kind of kicked off a lot of just how science inspired most of my magic ended up being, right? Like alchemy in my setting is just chemistry with magic, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a, a mage uh, late in the series um, whose magic is based around the rust cycle, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, she uses her magic to accelerate rusting or mm -hmm. decelerate it. And because rusting is an exothermic reaction, she mm -hmm. rusts a bunch of iron, basically creates a firestorm out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it just keeps inputting nice. magic in to keep uh, looping the cycle mm -hmm. back and forth. So just mm -hmm. jumping heat in the air, sucking the heat back in to de-rust, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Even cool. getting some electron transfer going for a little bit of lightning. Um, and, you know, that's just one example of what I'm doing with that. And, you know, huge science buff, huge history buff. And then, you know, on top of that, um, I love how inherently political progression fantasy and lit rp can be mm -hmm. you know and a lot of people just treat it as escapism desperately try mm -hmm. to avoid uh, politics in writing the stuff mm -hmm. um and i'm sure you've heard the old saying all writing is political you know all stories are political and if it, if you think you're not being political you're just reinforcing the status quo um but uh progression fantasy the fundamental question at the heart of all progression fantasy, all that RPG is, is about the nature of power. Mm -hmm. You know, what does it mean for someone to have more or less power, to have more or less agency in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I genuinely believe that the best progression fantasy lit RPG all has something interesting to say about that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a huge history buff. I'm a huge politics buff. You know, big old socialist. Um, <laughs> and and so <laughs> I'm the nice kind of socialist though. Mm -hmm. That's what they all say. And then you whip out your uh you know <laughs> stick of the masses and 
just just pay attention to the bread and roses. Ignore the guillotine. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like um, take Cradle, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the core conflict of Cradle, without spoiling it too much, mm -hmm. all has to do with, um, you know, what happens when individuals seek too much power, mm -hmm. right? Uh, what happens when power is too concentrated, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's hard to talk about spoilers, but one thing I love about it is you can come to genuinely different answers mm -hmm. about what the setting, what the storyline has to say about the question, right? Mm -hmm. And like I, I really believe that I, like I've got a different interpretation of, of it than Will does, right? He wrote mm -hmm. it, um, and that's the way it should be with with any writing, right? People should be having different interpretations of the authors. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is something I dive really deep into into uh, Main Jaren, you know. Mm -hmm. Is and you know I'm, you know, there's no spoiler to say that I'm pretty hard line on the, yeah, having having too much power concentrated is, like the old saying goes, absolutely corrupting. You know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and you know, so just getting the opportunity to use this as a kind of distorted mirror for our own world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because in our world, personal power is pretty much meaningless, right? Um, mm -hmm. it's 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 social power that matters, right? Mm -hmm. You know, political power is social power. Like the only like the only I think the only people who realistically believe that personal power out can outweigh social power. Um, drink way too many energy drinks, uh, ride dirt bikes, and punch drywall. Um, you know, it may be true, yeah. But and uh, but but in in progression mm -hmm. fantasy and lit RPG, mm -hmm. you actually have settings where personal power can and often does mm -hmm. outweigh social power. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, yeah, I mean, this, um, yeah. Um, what happens if someone can literally throw the entire police department? Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I just kind of examine this. You know, Major, one of the things, it's just like, what happens when politics is centered around these individuals who are just like, can level a city single-handed? They're, they're living weapons of mass destruction or literal yeah. kaiju, you know? Um, also, Major, you know, uh, some of the most powerful characters in Major are literally just I was like, you know, I'm going to write the Golden Girls as nuclear weapons. Just the Golden Girls as weapons of mass destruction. Spoilers, but no, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, but I mean, and and asking these questions, I think, is is at the core of all literature, right? Um, I mean, Dungeon Caller Carl, for example, is one of my favorite examples because it is a very harsh critique of sensationalism and um the kind of kind of spiral where it talks about the kind of spiral that revolves around um more and more uh dopamine hits and where it leads and how it dehumanizes people and that, that sort of thing you can you can write an entire essay about the fact that um as soon as someone is on a screen they're no longer really human um, and how that's reflected in Dungeon Caller Carl. Like, even if they are at this con, they're not really there. They're just representations of themselves. And they're being, they're there to be looked at. And I kind of wonder what happened at Dragon Con to make Matt Dineman write this book. But um, no, um, in, in general, it's, it, I think it's a very 
very interesting book and very interesting series. And I, as someone who's written uh, his master's thesis about fantasy literature, uh, there is no such thing as an apolitical book, right? Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. Because it always exists in a sociopolitical context where you cannot take the reader out of the hermeneutic circle. And if the reader isn't very interested in politics, then they'll just read the story and think, like, okay, cool, great, numbers go up, action stuff. But if the reader is politically interested, you could write about, I don't know, roses. And people are like, yeah, very, very profound political statement. There was a, a, there was a, a phase um, where there was a lot, of, a lot of upheaval in the late, late 18th century, I think, in Germany. And there was a um, literary movement called Biedermeier that's literally just about slice of life stories about guys or women going around and doing nice things and sitting in front of like hearths and reading books. It's cozy literature, like to the extreme. Oh, the parallel is, it's not even a parallel, it's just a circle. It, it's, it's the same, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and these days, um, if you're doing it in school in Germany, um, people are looking at it and they're like, oh, it's such a profound political statement uh, about how people, you know, need escapism in times of political upheaval. And yeah, you can, you can, even if the book itself is not, the context is so uh, political. I mean, so. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Thanks for coming um, to my TED Talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I preach into the choir here. Um, mm. You know, and I think this is one of the key appeals of progression fantasy and lead RPG right now mm. is because we live in a time where people really do feel genuinely powerless, right? Mm -hmm. Where they feel like they're in the grasp of forces they cannot control, mm -hmm. you know? Um, rampant capitalism, um, uh, you know, climate change, you know, reactionary political movements, right? Widespread conspiracy theory, all of this, right? Mm -hmm. And so many of us feel so powerless as individuals. And so the mm -hmm. fantasy of being able to personally have agency to change the world to affect mm. things it is wonderful. And that's a big reason why I read so much progression fantasy and literature, mm. you know, is because like it, it's a spot for me too. Yeah. I mean, I, I read it because I want the, I want the promise of everything goes well in the end. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, totally. So you talked about learning how to write or, you know, writing more uh, nonfiction and then getting into it. That was during your college days and then you were like, okay, let me, or again, college days, I guess. Did you go to college twice for geology or just once? Uh, so I went to school for different things. When I was first mm -hmm. graduated high school, I went to mm -hmm. University of Kansas for mm -hmm. English. And then later I added a second history mm -hmm. major. Mm -hmm. uh, dropped out, started drinking too much, mm -hmm. you know, turned into a, turned into a loser, you know. Um, into, into lizard. a lizard? Uh, <laughs> yep. I, you know, 40 mm. foot tall, covered in skin. No, I, you know, I just turned into a loser working at a bar, playing Magic the Gathering, drunk every night. Mm. Um, Are you recovering now? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was never, um, I was never a classical alcoholic. I was absolutely mm. abusing alcohol, drinking too much. Mm. For whatever reason, I never ended up with uh, proper alcoholism. Mm -hmm. I mean, the alcoholism model, it tends to be too hyper-focused on that one specific instance. I was more like binge drink, drinker type, yeah. um, you know. Um, but yeah, these days I barely drink at all. Don't have any urge to. You know, I'll have like a glass, glass of wine at a restaurant or something. 
Um, yeah. Occasionally, you know, I'll very occasionally get drunk when I hang out with an old friend, but then feel no urge to drink more afterwards. You know. Okay. Um, so you were saying you went to college, yeah. uh, dropped, dropped out, out, became a loser. Did the whole loser evolution thing. Yep. Spent all my money on beer and meds the gathering cards. Um, which to people who can play Magic the Gathering without getting addicted and without spending all your money on it, you impress me deeply. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I, I don't. Many, like, I, I know I, I shouldn't, and so I don't. There's not many more drugs more dangerous than Magic the Gathering. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, I moved up to Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. uh, started going back to school for geology. Mm -hmm. Got, uh, you know, the freelance writing work. Um, and, uh, yeah, then I dropped out when the freelance writing taking off, started making my first good living mm -hmm. my life. Um, all that stuff happened, but yeah, the school was super important to me as a writer, the freelance writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I draw so heavily in all of it on my writing, you know, like mm -hmm. the history and geology, especially, mm -hmm. um, and the freelance writing stuff, you know, I was writing nonfiction, like educational content for history and science. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is kind of one of the ways that I can write books with like this heavily science inspired magic discussions mm -hmm. of history and political philosophy without it being boring. Like, I can still keep it as a mm -hmm. really fun romp for people that are just looking for escapism. Like it's still just people mm -hmm. throwing spells at giant monsters, you know? <laughs> so you're, you're saying you can make science rock? Yes. Um, and yeah, that, that, uh, yeah. So I think this is one of the ways in which is so important to just get different experience with different writings types, mm. you know? Cool. Um, awesome. No, yeah, because, because, um, I always ask people where they got that chops because many people think like, oh, wow, instantly I started writing a story and now I should be instantly published. Um, no, right. That's not how it works. Um, so you got your chops, you know, doing all this, uh, educational content. Um, you also studied English. Did you do any creative writing classes? Uh, one. It was just an mm. independent study where I was just writing a few short stories with a, okay. and then Ravina with the professor, just one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I also wrote a bunch of uh, graphic novel scripts because mm. um, I'll try to bring into that. And uh, I think that definitely gave me some, uh, some really good uh, practice and punchy dialogue. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Not oh, that yeah. I use a bunch of dialogue much, but when I want to, yeah, you got to be mm. really, really concise with mm. um, comics. Uh, speaking of comics, side thing, uh, part of the whole, the new Athon webtoon thing. Oh, cool. Nice. And so Major and Skinny Comic, and I'm very excited about that. I was, was about to ask you if, if you had reached out to um, either Moon Quill or Athon. Yeah. I mean, so many people are like, oh man, comics would be so cool. For me, it's audiobooks. I mean, it's easier easier to get, I guess, but it's still a very, very um, long road to get there, I think. Uh, so, yeah, mostly because I'm really scared of sub of submitting my stuff anywhere, getting rejected. So, anyway. We'll get um, yeah. Uh, no, I get that. I, hmm. I, this is, I think, one of the, the later questions. Um, is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? I mean, we can do that right now. <laughs> Well, 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 it's a new ad. If you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. 
For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching, and let's get on with the show. Best piece of advice I ever got as a writer mm. was to embrace rejection. Mm. You're gonna get it, you're gonna get a lot of it. Mm. Lean in, get a bigger nail. Badge of honor. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, yeah, but that was know, King, first... right? Hmm? Was it Stephen King? I think so, where he's just like, put on a thing. But yeah, um, yeah. I don't remember who said that. I remember, I remember that piece of advice, but. First rejection letter I ever got. I think I still have yep. it somewhere. Um, it was a rejection email, but I printed it off, took a little nail, tacked it to my wall right by my desk. I yep. kept it, and I was just like, because the point is not, you know, uh, oh, they didn't like your stuff. The point is, you got it out there, mm -hmm. right? And that's, that's the jump mm -hmm. that almost everyone has to jump over is, mm -hmm. you know, take, take the step, put it out in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I, I also think that like uh, transcending rejection because it's maybe your work really isn't hitting that itch, right? Or maybe you aren't giving that story the best uh, the best way of doing it. Um, just don't rewrite too much. I feel as though that's always a trap, um, no matter how much you love the story. Yeah, the perfect is the enemy of the... Um... Yeah. So best yeah, advice oh... you've ever gotten is get, get comfortable with rejection. Is get comfortable with rejection? I'd say it's top five. I, I don't think I could pick a number one, but mm. I think that's one of the best. Also, just, you know, learn to finish things, mm -hmm. right? Which very closely ties in, you know, just mm. don't edit, don't rewrite, don't anything until the work is done, until the book is done. Just finish it. <laughs> I, I, I want to make a pun with rip and tear but there's nothing in writing that that rhymes with rip or tear trip and hair no uh, they're not really writing things script yeah, script, script and mm, something about staring at a stare staring at a screen yeah reaching nope doesn't reaching, work yeah doesn't work no okay so i mean keep i got a friend and sam if you listen to this i love you <laughs> Um, who keeps starting stories and I mean several people on um, on my discord do that they, they, they start stories and they keep starting stories but finishing is so rewarding and I mean I'm the worst offender I have several like 20 24 novels that I started and never finished and like some of them are like two or three chapters some of them are like half finished drafts um, but finishing taught me so much more than starting ever did because with finishing, I could now tell, oh, this will not work next time, right? I need to rewrite this. I need to do this differently and that differently. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, one thing, so many new writers worry about being mm -hmm. good at writing mm -hmm. and not enough worry about being good at being a writer because mm -hmm. they're different skill sets, right? Like the technical aspects of writing are really really important mm -hmm. but they're less important than being able to finish things than mm -hmm. healthy working habits than um right because it doesn't matter how good you are if you're not actually putting the stuff mm -hmm. down if you're not mm -hmm. actually creating um there's a fantastic book uh it's 
from the early 1900s uh, uh, by Dorothea Brand, um, B-R-A-N-D-E, um, called Becoming a Writer. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have any advice on how to write well. Instead, it's just full of advice on just how to write, you know, how to do um, develop those right, healthy working habits, how to write consistently, you know, how to manage your time, mm. you know, and, you know, this book's uh, over, over a hundred years old or nearly a hundred years old, I can't remember, oh, but it, it's still amazing, the advice it offers. And I highly mm. recommend it because, you know, I'm a tolerable writer. You know, I was going to say something nice about my writing, but I, you know, couldn't get that. Oh, no, you can't, can't, can't have that, no. Every now and then I, I write I mean, something even good. But you're, you're rock solid. Yeah, there we go. I think we used that one already. Oh, oh did we? Um, yeah. I can, take my, um, I can take my reliability as a writer for granted. Yeah, I was, I was, about, I was <laughs> about to say that, um, you know, all the puns will probably come back later to you. Maybe Granite. But um, <laughs> um, pretty good, pretty good, very very good. Yeah, there's a lot. There's some dirty geology puns too. Remind me to tell you those later. <laughs> dirty, <yeah. laughs> um, oh, the dirty wasn't even right. Wasn't even intended to. That was accidental. <laughs> oh, I'm disappointed. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many people who are just such better, you know, prose craftsmen than me. Such better mm-hmm. at character work. Mm-hmm. who just never put their books out there, never publish, you know? Mm-hmm. I briefly mentioned that I was ha- with my origin story that I was having some roommate trouble too. Mm-hmm. My roommate at the time was a musician. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And our friendship turned on me when he realized that I was really writing to self-publish, that I was really putting else in the world. Because mm-hmm. for all his brilliance as a musician, he never put his stuff out in the world in any real meaningful way. Every time he got close to a product that he could put out in the world and be proud of, mm-hmm. sabotage his own, sabotage himself, mm-hmm. you know, uh, wreck it, and then come up with a completely different idea using totally different instruments, totally different mm-hmm. setups. Did he want a band? Did he want uh, to do a solo act? Was it electronic? Whatever. He could have he could have made it as a musician with just a guitar and his own voice, you know, acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and his own voice. He never did. I don't know if he was afraid of failure or success, but he just kept sabotaging himself. He was a better musician mm. than I was a writer at the time, mm. you know? Um, and yet I was the one who got success because I, I just simply developed those skills on becoming a writer that he didn't for becoming a musician. Mm. You know, he was way ahead of me on music skills or my writing skills, but um, and this is it. This is, this is, you know, so much the advice I give, there are better people than me to take specific writing advice from. Mm. But when I'm giving people advice, the thing I'm most enthusiastic about giving advice for is it's on those work habits. It's on being a writer. Mm. Um, right. You know, and <laughs> yeah. um, they're both worth attention and figuring out and taking the time to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry for so, the long monologue. No, 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 no. This is perfectly fine. Like I'm here to give you uh, precisely that. The space for monologuing like this is what i do um <laughs> but that being said um what's something you would go back to and change in your earlier works or i mean the the question here is more of like hey what have you learned while writing that you would like to change in your uh in my early, you know i actually basically 
have been going back and figuring out ways to not actually change my early text, mm. um, but to retcon it in a non-cheaty way, mm -hmm. right? So like in uh, the first major book, you know, I casually mentioned like some spirit, right? Mm -hmm. So I mentioned a spirit and then I realized, you know, it kind of, much of the world building only like crystallized in book two. And I realized yeah, this, <laughs> this is a really nice. materialistic. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, the, uh, <laughs> um, <sighs> right. This is a very materialistic, philosophically materialistic setting, right? There is no mm -hmm. afterlife, you know, no, no spirit. And so I'm like, okay, what do I do? How do I deal with this mention of a spirit? Right. What do I do with, and so later on in the series, I, you know, I took the time to be like, okay, how do these work? How do spirits and elementals work? What's going on here? Explain them in a materialistic way. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Uh, you know, also had liches and I was like, oh, crap, how do I deal with liches? There's no necromancy in my setting, really. My solution for liches, uh, it's, you know, minor spoilers, but I'm incredibly proud of what I do with liches. Instead of, you know, being just skeleton wizards. Mm -hmm. uh, so magic in the major setting, mm -hmm. uh, everyone has an affinity for specific, um, you know, type of magic. It might mm -hmm. be crystal magic or fire mm -hmm. magic or hair magic or mm -hmm. bee magic or... You know, there's a wide range of things. And so, you know, I was like, okay, so what do I do? So basically what ends up being liches are people who take their uh, specific types of affinity and build themselves a domain mm -hmm. using that affinity, right? Domain in the old medieval spelling of, you know, mm -hmm. D-E-M-E-S-N-E. -E. Um, and so like uh, there's one character who is a, uh, uh, he's a tree lich. Specifically, he is a mangrove lich. Mm -hmm. And so he grows himself a giant city mm -hmm. out of mangroves, right? Mm -hmm. In this huge tidal swamp. And then he actually transplants his consciousness into the city. Okay. So liches and mage errant are people who have transplanted their consciousness into these massive, you know, castle to city-sized mm -hmm. artifacts made out of the material that their sentience is for, right? Mm-hmm. Which weeds out some type of mages from doing it at all. Like a fire lich isn't going to work, right? How are you going to build a fire that big and maintain it? Um, mm -hmm. Right. Um, well, nuclear fusion. <laughs> um, yeah, that could hypothetically work. Um, I mean, like literally, you look at the sun and you look like, yeah. <laughs> um. I get a lot of people asking me about nuclear magic and my setting is just like, yep, they don't have that knowledge yet. <laughs> you know, um, they, they kill uranium mages on site because they just think they're terrible poison mages. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm going back and trying to find ways to retcon things without actually retcon them. Make them make mm -hmm. sense in the setting and fixing them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's turned into a really fun and a lot of exercise for me. And I think I, I've got all of the book one stuff tied up by the end of Mage Errant now. Nice. That feels very good. Yeah, it's always nice to like kind of like go back and fix all the stuff. I dread the moment where I go back and actually, you know, read through Torchbearer because I'll, I'll be like cringing a lot. Not because it's I feel bad. that. I think I think actually most of the stuff is actually pretty good, but um, there's some plot stuff that I need to fix and I don't want to. But yeah, see, I didn't I didn't change any words in the early books at all. I, mm. I fixed it all with the later yeah. stuff. Uh, um, I wish I wish I had that fortitude. <laughs> I I know that if I went down that path, I would never stop. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Set yourself a limit and then do that. Like 
I hope that will work for me, but we'll see how it works or if it works or if it doesn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, because at some point um, you just got to cut your baby loose, even if it's not perfect. So, mm -hmm. Well, it'll never um, be perfect. Yeah, well, right, yeah, uh, totally. So you wouldn't go back and change anything per se, but you would, um, you know, well, is, is, there, is there something you would do better if you're starting a new book now or something like you've learned? Yeah, I um so I'm I'm one of those authors who's doing a whole big multiverse of his books, right? Mm -hmm. And decisions I made on a whim for book one of Mage Errant mm -hmm. are gonna be controlling my writing career for years and years to come. Right. Just like little mechanical things that have the you know, base systems of the multiverse, just little little stuff like that. And there's there's a lot of stuff I could have done better, mm -hmm. changes I would have made. Um Maybe thematic differences, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'm stuck with them now. You know? So it's just like, ah, okay. Are we can make this. No, you know, restriction breeds creativity and all that. You're writing a new book now, new series, right? Mm hmm. What are some mistakes that, you, that you've learned from that you will not repeat? Besides, you know, like making um, snap decisions that isn't a good, a good idea. A lot of it's just little technical stuff, mm. right? Just better prose fixes. Mm so and so forth um a lot of it's business decisions <laughs> also you know um right can't talk about all of it because some of it's just like it's contract stuff like how you negotiate mm. your contracts and so on and so mm. forth right mm. um i don't i'm i'm lucky and i don't have any bad contracts mm. right you know some authors get started and before they know how to really look at a contract they sign some bad ones because they only look mm. at you know how much money they're getting Mm -hmm. um i lucked out but you know there's still if i went back and negotiated contracts again i would do it differently you know and you know so i've just gotten savvier in the business department um uh in terms of writing um i kind of feel like i'm making some mistakes with this new series in that it is less to market less mm -hmm. written to market you know i'm i'm taking i'm definitely taking a risk with my newer series you know mm -hmm. um and just writing something that's less immediately appealing, you know? My protagonists are starting off older, you mm. know? We've got female protagonists in the new series. <gasps> um, yeah, the, the big sin Multiple in POV. <sighs> oh, Mage Errant was multiple POV, but this is one thing I think I did very right with Mage Errant, mm. is that while it was multiple POV, the vast majority of the time, the POVs were in the same party doing the same mm. thing. Yeah, okay. Right, so you're just getting a different perspective on the same chain of events. Yeah. Um, Few exceptions, but for the most, especially later in the series. But I think that's one thing I got right. Mm -hmm. Other big mistakes that I'm, I've learned from. Uh, one, I think one of the big ones is, is in foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. um, I was never bad at foreshadowing, but I think I tended to emphasize some things too strongly and other things not enough. Mm -hmm. And I think I've just picked up a lot of a lot more skill with mm -hmm. knowing what to what to foreshadow when. Mm -hmm. um, Hmm. This is really hmm. a tough question for me. Not because yeah. I think I didn't make mistakes. I made so many mistakes with the early stuff, but because this is the kind of stuff that's harder for me to articulate my process with, yeah. right? Uh, I operate oh, no, so I much mean... when I got level there. So hi, uh, no, your video didn't glitch. Um, I had a bit of an emergency yesterday, so I had to cut it short. Uh, John agreed very helpfully to come in again today. So this is now a tragedy of two parts and uh, <laughs> I hope you're gonna enjoy watching it. Um, Yes, John. 
Tell me about a book that you love and why <laughs> is it awesome? So I'm actually going to cheat a little bit and pick a series. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but um, Tamora Pierce's Protector of the Small Quartet. Um, so Tamora Pierce has all these series set in uh, the Kingdom of Tortal or its surrounding world. And uh, mm. Protector of the Small is the third of those. Um, you don't need to read the others to read it, though it can enrich it. But, uh, you know, YA fantasy uh, series following the uh, second woman trying to become a knight in the Kingdom of Tortal. So she's mm -hmm. not the groundbreaking one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first series. It's about, you know, uh, this girl, Alana, who sneaks her way through uh, uh, night school, basically, disguising herself as a boy. So this is about the first girl openly going through night school. And mm -hmm. It's progression fantasy before progression fantasy was a thing, right? Mm. This came out late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. It's really freaking good. You know, it starts out, she goes from like 11 to like 20 or something over the course of the series. So it starts off very much like kind of like, you know, kids' concerns and kids' issues in the first book to, you know, mm -hmm. being involved in a, you know, magical war in the last book. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's good. you know, Tamora Pierce pulls no punches and like, confronting fairly serious issues uh even from like a child's perspectives and it's just a lot of fun uh fairly realistic medieval combat uh there's, there's a lot of matching the setting but the protagonist doesn't have any well don't we know that feeling <clears throat> <laughs> uh yeah and just no highly recommend it it's just a really fun really excellent series four books pretty mm -hmm. quick read That's how I like my answer, short and succinct, especially uh, going towards, you know, the um, one hour mark of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then we're, going, we're getting to the part that most people are very excited about, shout outs. Shout outs. Um, so first shout out I want to give is to a, a series which has not gotten anywhere near the attention I feel like it deserves. It's um, Katrin Butch Mortensen's uh, Patron Wars. So it's a trilogy set mm -hmm. uh, in a very high magic Scandinavian-inspired fantasy world, mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, humanity is very much not the top dog in this world, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, it's all set in a uh, the city of shapeshifters, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's about a civil war they're having. And in the meantime, the city's surrounded by this incredibly hostile magical forest, which objects to the very existence of humanity, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like you're walking in the forest. There's like a one in ten chance that you just get transformed into a magical cannibal or something. Um, well, I mean, is that just like the history of Germany? <laughs> um, That's where I grew up. Yeah. Plagiarism. <laughs> oh, God. So, sorry, I got to do a side note. Uh, okay. I had I had a former roommate who was mm -hmm. really into Heidegger, to Martin Heidegger. Mm -hmm. um, and for those who don't know, Martin Heidegger was this uh, very prominent uh, German philosopher, um, mm -hmm. frequently accused of being a Nazi, somewhat as, questionable until recently, are. and then his notebooks were found. It's like, yeah, he was just a Nazi. <laughs> But um, yeah, look at that beard. Yeah, <laughs> um, he. So after World War II, he lost his positions to the university and stuff, 
and basically was exiled to some little town in the Black Forest, right? Mm-hmm. And just just to piss off this uh, this uh, former roommate of mine, who's into Heidegger, I relentlessly insisted that he spent his entire time in the Black Forest, living in a gingerbread house and cooking small children in an oven. Yes, that's a favorite German pastime. It's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> <All right. laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, um, it's 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 fine. Like it's funny the first fifteen times, and then uh, once you really get used to all the werewolves, it just becomes natural. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, Patron Wars. Uh, and the reason I love it, it does not have a tiered magic system. And mm-hmm. if there's one thing I'm relentlessly looking for, it's more progression fantasy with uh, the magic system's more free flowing. Less this stage is more powerful than this stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, highly recommend uh, Patron Wars. That... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Do you actually know this person? Um. Yeah. Actually. Uh. Katrin uh, beta reads for me now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, beta read for her. Uh, cool. we were both on the, our progression fantasy mod team for a while, which yeah. I'm just going to say this. Don't ever be a moderator. It's, it is exhausting, thankless work. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I know. I know. I, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Catching's great. Uh, but, um, then second book I want to shout out, uh, um, actually more just an author, is either of uh, Tobias Begley's uh, two main series. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, uh, The Enchanter, which is there's two of three books out so far. Um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of wizard school progression fantasy um, trilogy, um, gaming character, uh Really, really fun magic system and world, and the tr- the school itself is a giant tree. Um, nice. <laughs> and then his other main series is Mana Mirror, uh, which he is releasing on uh, Railroad. But it's really cool because the uh, the way the story is going, it's choose your own adventure for the audience. Uh, uh, so the Patreon subscribers get to vote. Like, how's the main character going to power up? How's the main character going to, mm. um, you know? What path they can take so, magic wise, and two birds with one stone. At the same time, you get audience interaction. And on the other hand, no one can see. I would have done it differently because, well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, whenever I get uh, you know the email with oh new uh, um, mm-hmm. Monomira chapter, I just drop everything. It's like ah, I gotta be the first to vote. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, more shoutouts. Third off is. Uh, uh, Sam Hinton's Manifestation series, mm-hmm. uh, first mm-hmm. book, Soul Relic. It's mm-hmm. uh, environmentalist, science-inspired cultivation fantasy, and it, okay. it, it's it's really cool. And the magic system, it's I'd say it's more cultivation adjacent, right? Mm-hmm. It definitely isn't deriving from the basic Taoist systems that a lot of cultivation is coming from. You know, it's not Zanzia inspired. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's its own thing, you know. Uh, but it's cool. yeah, a lot of fun. Very environmentalist messaging. Great fight scenes. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <clears throat> and we can find that on Road or is that on? Uh, KU? Those are all on uh, Kindle Unlimited. Okay, cool, awesome. Well, I, I don't I'm actually. To... I don't know if uh, Tomorrow Pierce's series is on uh, Kindle Unlimited, but. <laughs> 
probably not probably if she's not. one of the old school writers but yeah. i'm going to um i'm going to put a link down below anyway for people to check it out it's gonna be nice all right cool well, with all the shout-outs being done and every, every question answered, there's not really that much to do except for saying thank you, everyone, for watching and all listening. John, any last words for people before we go into the Patreon content? Hmm. <clears throat> last words. Okay. Famously. Very famous. Very famously. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for watching and all listening. Um, as always, please... Follow, like, subscribe, you know the drill. It really helps this channel grow and helps me do more of this um, of this podcast, basically. Uh, if you're interested in helping out even more, uh, the Patreon link is down below and you're getting stuff for your money. You're getting basically, well, twice the podcasts for every single hour of podcast that's on this channel. I think I have another hour of podcasts up there. And I always try to kind of keep it kind of like fair. So it's 50, 50, 50, but in the bonus content and the Patreon content, I should rather say, uh, we're a bit more candid and a bit more free form and it's more of a coffee shop kind of experience. So yeah, hope to see you there. And if you're just listening to this on Spotify or on YouTube, thank you very much for watching and listening and I'll see you next time. 